Amen. Amen. So I want to talk to you, uh, man, this is, this is exciting because this is not really a teaching lesson per se. It's really an opportunity for me to share my heart with you about what I believe that the Lord has said Fellowship of Champions is supposed to be in Northwest Arkansas. And you may be here because you've decided to be a part of it. You may be here because you want to hear about it. Or you may be here because it was easier to drive here than it was to Fayetteville. I'm not really sure. What I do know is that whatever your reason is, uh, it's a wonderful opportunity for us to get a chance to share with you what's on our heart uh, today. So I'm really excited this morning to have this wonderful opportunity to share with you the vision and the focus that the Lord has given my wife and I concerning Fellowship of Champions. One of the things that, that, that we, you will hear us say a lot, uh, we will talk about John uh, 10 and 10. So if you have your Bible or if you have your smartphone or, or, or whatever you use, your tablet, I actually want you to go to John chapter 10, verse 10. Uh, and, and most of you know what it says. If you, do, if you don't, it's a wonderful opportunity for you to see it because there's a promise there that Jesus gives us, and we, we use that promise uh, as a foundation for, for our teachings. Uh, in John chapter 10, verse 10, uh, it says this, and I'm going to paraphrase a little bit because I, I really like it out of the Amplified. Uh, it says that the thief comes but for one reason, and that is to steal, to kill, and destroy. And so one of the things you need to know about our ministry is that we never uh, look at things that happen that are bad and try to equate those things to God. Um, and the reason we do that is because it's really important because if you, if you operate from a standpoint that God does good things and God does bad things, then how do you know which one God's going to do? And that's really important. A lot of people grow up in church, and, and we almost grow up in church like the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, everything that happened was God's responsibility. They had no revelation of the devil. Uh, and so if something good happened, God did it. If they baby died, God did it. If they were born with sickness, God did it. If they were blind, God did it. And so if you live in a, in a, in a state where, where, where you think that God is this person who uses uh, calamity and tragedy to teach you a lesson, the things that we teach would never make sense to you. It, because we never will teach it from the standpoint that, that, that God is this, bad, is this bad person who does bad things to make you be better. Um, God, God is not a, a, a sadistic father. The Bible says he's a loving father. And as a loving father, no loving, you know, I tell my kids all the time, don't touch the stove because the stove is hot, okay? I don't take their hand and stick it on the stove every day and say, remember that stove is hot. I'm not trying to teach them a lesson that way. Good fathers don't do that. Uh, you, don't, you, don't, you don't come in the house and whoop your kids and go, I didn't want you to mess up. Good fathers don't, good fathers don't do that. And so sometimes we take what we've seen in the world and we try to bring it over and equate it to who God is. And if you do that, then when we start talking about the goodness of God, we start talking about the love of God, you'll be in a, in a, in a, in a, in a quagmire because you'll feel like, well, wait a minute, if God is so good, then why did I lose my job? Well, losing your job wasn't God, but God can use losing your job as a way to get you in a better situation. So God never... Uh, you, God never causes destruction and calamity to come. The Bible tells us that the whole world is out of course, but then it tells us why. It says it's out of course because of sin. And so because we live in a natural world, uh, tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, sometimes, sometimes bad, things bad things will happen, will happen even, even to good people. To good people. And that's just right. the truth. And, and if, you, if, if a church is telling you something other than that, they're not being truthful. I'm... Yes, you need to, to love God and you should be saved, but that does not exempt you from life's problems. It doesn't exempt you from life's challenges. What it does do is it puts you in a position so that you have the ability to overcome those problems. The Bible says like this, it says that when we are without Christ, we are in the world without hope. And how many know that when you're in the world without hope, that's a desperate feeling? Anybody ever, and you ain't going to raise your hand, but anybody ever been in a situation and it almost felt hopeless? You just want to give up. You just want to cave in and quit. Well, what we're going to help you to understand through the Word of God is that with Christ, you never have to feel that way. Amen. That with God, you never have to feel like you're in this world without hope. Doesn't matter how many times you get knocked down, doesn't matter how many times you stumble, with God, you can always get up again. Amen? Amen. And that's the reason that we, we, we feel so passionately about the fact that we are winners. The Bible says that through Christ, we always triumph. The Bible tells us that we are more than an overcomer. 
And so as a result, I want you to know that if you decide to partner with us and you decide to come to this ministry, we're not going to let you have pity parties. Amen. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, neighbor. This, is this is a no pity party, no pity party. Zone. zone. That's right. Bad things happen to everybody. Listen, tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, neighbor. Everybody, everybody has a past. Okay, but you can't let your past dictate your future. Yes, bad things have happened. Yes, people have done things to us and, and, and said things about us, uh, all of us. But we're not going to let those things define who we are going forward. Amen? In, in fact, one of the great things about the Word of God is that even after you've been hurt, the Word of God has the ability to heal you. It has the ability to heal your heart in such a way that you can trust again. Uh, Pastor Sean and I were talking to uh, a young lady uh, not too long ago, and, and she was in a relationship, and she had been, I mean, she, was, she had just been treated really, really badly. But how many of you also know that sometimes you only are ever treated the way you allow yourself to be treated? Okay, but that's another point. But she had been treated very badly. And as a result, she was not allowing the good things God was trying to do in her life now because she was basing everything based on what had happened in the past. Listen, there are going to be people who are going to come to Fellowship of Champions who have been hurt by church. They've been hurt by religion. They've been disappointed. People have said and done things that, that you never thought someone who says they love the Lord would do to somebody. And they may come, and they may, in the beginning, use that past how they deal with you. But as a church, we've got to be a loving church. Amen? That means we can't replicate the things that's been done to them in their past and give them validation to think everybody in the church is like that. Amen? And so I'm saying that to you because I won't use your past against you, but you can't use your past against us. Amen? Pastor Sean and I say it all the time. We're not perfect. We're on this journey together. If you come here and you're with us long enough, you'll see me make a mistake. You just will. But guess what? I'll see you make some too. And I'll love on you as long as you love on me. Amen? And, 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 and because that's what a community is. That's what this journey is all about. And so as, as I begin to share with you, and, and, and my point today is not to, to give you everything. We, we're going to meet uh, for the next three weeks, and I want to give you little pieces at a time. Today I just want to introduce you really uh, to these core values that we hold true for our life um, because I, I, begin, I, begin, I believe it sets the foundation for what it is that we believe. Now, Pastor Sean and I, along with many of you, have prayed for the day that we get an opportunity to plant a church in Northwest Arkansas. We talk to people all the time who, who, who used to ask us, when, when y'all going to come to Northwest Arkansas? When you going to come to Well, we're here. <laughs> we're back. Uh, and, and so it, we think it's important, uh, especially for those of you, and, I, and, I, and sometimes you don't understand this, it is not the job of the pastor to grow a church. It's the job of the church to grow the church. We, those of us who come together and say, hey, I want to be a part of Fellowship of Champions, it's going to be all of our responsibility to embrace these core values because these core values will dictate everything that we do both internally and externally. Uh, and it's important that, that you really embrace them because if you don't, you'll, you'll end up thinking that it's somebody else's responsibility. Uh, it's somebody else's job to serve. It's somebody else's job to give. I'm just here to get my blessing and go home. But that's not the kind of church we want to be, amen? Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, neighbor. We, are not we are not going to breed, going to breed. Selfishness. selfishness. That's right. We're just not going to breed selfishness, amen? The kingdom of God is not just about what you get, amen? Amen, amen, amen. 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 It's not just about what you get. The kingdom of God is about you receiving from God, but then you turn around and you depositing into somebody else. That's, what the king, that's how the kingdom works. The Bible says in the book of Acts that they added to the church some two to 3,000 people daily. That wasn't because the people who got added on Monday just stayed there on Monday and didn't do anything else. They left on Monday and went and got somebody else to come back on Tuesday. And then they did it again on Wednesday and Thursday, and they kept adding. Why? Because they started saying, you know what? I got my life changed, and somebody else needs to know what happened to me. And so that's what's going to happen here at Fellowship of Champions. We're going to be a church who loves uh, sharing the gospel with people. Well, the time has come, and we hope that all of you are excited as we are. And so I want to just start with you this morning and just begin to share with you uh, what our core values are. I want you to look at one scripture before I do. It's Daniel chapter 11. Daniel chapter 11, verse 32. 
Now, why is this important? Daniel chapter 11, verse 32 says this. It says that the people who know their God will be strong and do great exploits. Okay? The people who know their God. That word know there is, 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 an, is, a, is a, an intimate word. It means to know like a husband would know his wife. It's, it's, it, it paints the picture of intimacy. It says a person who, who knows their God that person is going to be strong, and they're going to do great exploits. That means they're going to do great things. In other words, what you do may not be what someone else does, but it will be great for the kingdom. Amen? Amen? All of us in this room have different talents, different skills, and different abilities. And you cannot shortchange your talents and abilities because they don't look like... The worst thing you can do is compare yourself to somebody else. How many of you know that's the worst thing you can do? The worst thing you can do is compare your marriage to somebody else, compare your finances to somebody else, compare where you live to someone else, compare anything to anybody else. If you spend your life comparing to someone else, two things will happen. You will always feel bad because they are so much better than you, or you will get a false sense of who you really are because you think you're so much better than they are. Neither one of those are good. You need to identify who you are who Christ has said you are, and then just be all you can be. Amen? Amen. This is 2015. In 2015, you know, we, we laugh at our church because, I mean, if you've been in church a long time, they've got slogans for everything. I, I mean, they, they got slogans. You know, we kick it in the door in 2004, you know. <laughs> you know what I mean? All of these different slogans. Every year they have these slogans. And a few years ago, we were just like, we're done with slogans. We're not, we're not doing slogans anymore. But I will tell you that in this year, I believe that this is a year that God wants to see his children take big steps of faith. Amen. And that's not a slogan, but I believe that this is a, I believe it's an opportunity. Um, and there have been some things that happened in my life personally where God, God has shown me that. Um, you know, Pastor Sean was declaring um, back in September she was saying, you know, I just believe that the next 12 months is going to be the year of the double. That we're going to, that God's going to begin to increase and do things exponentially for us. And, 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 and I saw some of those things happen. And I'm saying to you that if you take this journey with us, we want you to be expecting God to do big things in your life. Amen. We want God to do big things in every area of your life. I mean, where your finances are concerned, where your career is concerned, where your family is concerned, but even your personal development, where your personal development is concerned. One of the things, if you saw the flyer, uh, one of the things you saw on the flyer is it said, we want to do church big. We want, we want to do big church. And the reason we said that is because we do. We want to have a big impact on our community. And how many know in order for you to have a big impact on, on your community, you've got to be cool with who you are. You've got to be safe with who you are. And then we said we want, we want it to have big personal development. And one of the things that you will hear us talk a lot about at Fellowship of Champions is how important it is for you to develop as an individual. In fact, the accountability for you to grow is not really ever on the pastor. It's really on you. Because, now, now let me help you there. Don't get, don't get mad at it. You live in a technological age. If they passed a law and said there could not be any pastors, you could still develop and grow. You could still develop and grow. I'm not diminishing my role as a pastor, but I'm upping the ante on you being responsible for your own development. Because if you are responsible for your own development, then you never get bored with church. People get bored with church because they come to church and they want the pastor to make them something. And that won't ever happen here at Fellowship of Champions. I won't make you something. I will, I will take a journey with you. I will share with you insights that God shares with me. But I'm a firm believer that there's as much revelation in the pews as there is in the pulpit. In other words, that means that as much revelation from God is not just speaking to me and Sean. He's speaking to you, too. He's speaking to you. And there are things, that, and, and you'll see how this connects in just a moment, but there are things that God says to you that if you don't sit on it and you don't hide it and you don't discount who you are, you can share it and it will absolutely change other people's lives. That's right. It will absolutely change other people's lives. And at Fellowship of Champions, we want to be that kind of church. We want to be a church that's not just powerful in the pulpit. We want to be powerful in the pews. So that means you got to be responsible for your personal development. 
That means you got to spend time reading the word. You got to spend time meditating. You got to spend time praying. It can't just be the pastor doing it for you. Amen. And so one of the things that I really believe about 2015 is it is the opportunity for us to take these big steps of faith. And, and not just big steps of faith like in terms of, oh, okay, I, I, I want to buy something new. I mean, big steps of faith saying, I'm going to be better this year than I've ever been before. I'm, and, and some of that means you're going to have to stop shortchanging yourself. You're going to have to step up and really be proud of the gifts and talents that God has given you. And when God gives you gifts and talents, you can't shrink back and act like those things aren't valuable. They are valuable. In fact, look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor this. Say, neighbor, you have gifts and talents that the kingdom desperately needs. I wish you believed that. I wish you believed. You have, I'm telling you, in this room, and it, just with the people in this room, if we collectively come together with our gifts and talents, there's nothing we couldn't get done. There's, there's nothing we couldn't get done. And I think a church that begins to realize that and understands that and, 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 and where people feel at liberty to share those gifts and talents becomes a very strong and vibrant church. Amen? And so I want you to look at uh, Colossians chapter 1. Here's where we're going to get uh, the foundation of our four core values. Colossians chapter 1. Uh, I'll let you get there. Colossians chapter 1, verse 9 and 10. Now, I will tell you that part of your personal growth and your personal development is that you don't necessarily have to have a hard copy of a Bible, but you should read the Bible. Amen? Amen? You should read the Bible. You should not be a people who are comfortable uh, with any pastor, myself, right, pastor, I don't care who it is. You should not be comfortable with a pastor preaching to you and you taking everything they say verbatim and you never check it out for yourself. Right. I think that's dangerous. Uh, and, and people say, well, you're a pastor. Why would you say that? Because I ain't right all the time. And if I ain't right all the time, everybody else ain't right all the time. And so th there are times that you need, to, you need to be aware. Now watch this. If I say John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever shall believe in him shall never perish but have everlasting life. You've heard that before, right? So you probably don't have to turn to that. But if I go to Isaiah 3, verse 13, you might want to check it out if you don't know what it says. I don't know what it says off the top of my head. My point is, <laughs> is that just because somebody quotes a scripture and then makes a statement behind it, you shouldn't just believe it blindly. You shouldn't just believe it blindly. You know, uh, you, you, should, you should be, so you should bring your Bible. You should look. You should see. You should, you should go back and read and, and, and ask the Holy Spirit, you know, is, is that what he's saying? You know, and sometimes I've heard pastors say stuff, and I'm like, hmm. Now, I ain't never heard it like that. I don't say they wrong. I say, hmm, I ain't never heard it like that. And then I'll pray about it, and sometimes the Lord will bring the revelation to me. So just because you don't understand it the moment you hear it the first time doesn't mean you should discount it. But at the same time, you shouldn't just accept everything that you hear. That's part of personal development. Amen? Amen. So Colossians chapter 1, verse 9 and 10. I want you to look at this. Colossians chapter 1, verse 9 and 10. This is the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul is speaking um, to the people who are, who are in, 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 in the church of Colossians. And, and, and they're there, and he's, he's written this letter to them. Now, if it was today's time, he, he'd have did a, a, a Google Hangout with them, uh, or he'd have sent them a text message or something like that. But you've got to understand, this is, this is a pastor talking to the people that he is in ministry with. Okay, he's writing a letter to them. And here's what he says. It says, for this cause, we also, since the day we heard it, we do not cease to pray for you. That is, my, that is what Pastor Sean and I do every day, whether you know it or not. We are praying for you. Some of you we pray for by name on different days, but collectively we are always praying for the people who we are in partnership with whether they're in Arkansas, whether they're in Atlanta, whether they're in New York, it doesn't matter. We are praying every day because since the moment we began to be introduced to who you are, we're praying for you because we believe that there's greatness on the inside of you. We believe that there are things that, that, are, that are on the inside of you that if you will allow God to tap into it, you will change the world. I believe that about you. Now, now the, the, the thing is that sometimes it's easier for people to believe that about somebody else than it is to believe it about ourselves. 
But I'm telling you, we believe in you, and we believe that there is greatness on the inside of you that's just waiting to be released. And so like the Apostle Paul said, since the moment that we met you, we have not ceased praying for you. He then says to them, he says, and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. As a pastor, that's what I want for you. I want you to be filled with wisdom, and I want you to be, uh, have an understanding of the will of God for your life. So I want you to understand that as a pastor, I never see my job as telling you what to do. In fact, those people who've been with us long enough, and watch this, they'll even answer this. If you come to me and you say, Pastor, the Lord told me to do X, all I'm ever going to do is encourage you unless you say something that's totally out of line with the Bible. Why? Because I want to teach you that it's best for you to hear God for yourself. Amen. Amen. There's a lot, and, I, and there's nothing wrong with it. That's what they want to do. But I don't want to be your personal Holy Ghost. I, I, there, there's some people who want to be your personal Holy Ghost. That's fine. I don't want to be your personal Holy Ghost. I don't mind being a counselor. I don't mind being a, a think tank partner member with you. But I don't want to be the person that every time you have to make a decision, you can't make it until you call one of us. That's not going to grow a large ministry. You have to have people who hear God and can make good decisions. I don't want my kids to grow up and be 30 calling me talking about what should I wear today. I, I don't want that to happen. I don't want my kids to call me and say, you know what, uh, my taxes are due. Should I pay them? You better pay them. <laughs> I want my kids to grow up and understand what it means to be an adult so that hopefully they can help somebody else. The same thing is true spiritually. I want the people who come to this church, to, maybe you come as a baby, maybe you have to ask at first, no problem. But over time, you should be maturing. You should be hearing God for yourself. How many of you know that the way you get to hear God clearer is by spending more time with him? Right. You ever been somewhere, you and your friends, maybe you was little, and you heard somebody, and, and you heard a voice, and they just, they, they maybe they didn't call your name, they just said, hey! But you knew that was your mama. Now, now, now it's 20 of y'all down there in the ditch playing around. And one person said, hey, but you knew that was your mama. How did you know that was your mom? Because you had spent so much time hearing her voice. So much time. And if you spend time with God, you'll recognize his voice. You know, there are some foundational things that will teach you about hearing God. Number one, God's never going to tell you to do something that's, that's illegal or immoral. <laughs> I, I, you have to say that because I'm amazed at the number of people who be like man I got this idea I don't know if it was God I'm like well what was the idea well, you know man this dude told me that you know he could give me a bag and I could flip it and make it no no that ain't God bro that may make you some money but that ain't God listen God has a system of right and wrong and, 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 and he's not going to Go against that system. Now, you know, you may come and you may say, you know what, Pastor, I feel like the Lord's told me not to watch TV for the next 30 days. Okay, well, there's nothing in the Bible that says you got to watch TV. You know, there's nothing that says you can't watch TV. Uh, and so those are the kind of things that, that you just have to hear God about. You know, you, you, know, you, you, you get a promotion. And the promotion uh, may have you to move to another city. You have to ask God about that. You have to say, well, God, is this, you know, because just because it's a promotion, doesn't mean it's the right time to take it. Doesn't always mean that. And so you have to be a person um, who, who is, who, who, if you're going to go to church here, you got to be a person who likes having some responsibility for your own life. Because we're going to give you a lot of responsibility for your own life. Which means we're not going to take the blame when it don't go right. <laughs> because it's amazing. It's amazing the number of people who will ask you, they'll say to you, they'll say, Pastor, tell me what I should do. And then you tell them what they should do. Then they don't even do it, and then they blame you because it didn't work out. It's like, well, wait a minute. You can't, you can't give me all the responsibility and none of the authority. And so it's, it's really important that you understand that. So look here. So since we met you, we've been praying for you. We want you to understand spiritual things. We want you to know the will of God. Look what he says to them in verse 10. Why is this important? He says, so that you might do what? 
walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. Being what? Fruitful in what? Every good. That is the reason that we teach what we teach. It's never to try to put you in bondage. In fact, you'll hear us say a lot of stuff that, that may mess with you at first because what we're going to do is untangle all your bondage. Um, I don't believe God took us out of bondage from the world to put us in bondage over here in Christ. I, I, bondage is bondage. Whether I'm, whether, I'm, whether I'm in bondage in Arkansas or I'm in bondage in Texas, it's bondage. And so I believe that the Lord came to set us free. And so some of the things we're going to teach you, they're going to set you free because some things you have been taught and some things that, that you have in your mind, they're there only because, to be honest, you never really thought about why they're there. I'll give you a prime example. There's this story. You probably heard it before. Well, this mother is preparing a Christmas dinner, and she takes out a ham, and she cuts the end of the ham off. She puts it in the uh, pan, and she puts it in the oven. And the little girl says to her mom, she says, why do you cut the end off the ham. She says, I don't know, but mama always did it. Let's call an ass. So they call the grandmother. They said, you know, she says to her mom, she says, you know, little girl wants to know, why do you, why do we always cut the end off the ham? She said, well, I don't really know. She said, but your grandmother always did it, so I always did it. So they call the grand, the great grandmother, and the great grandmother answered the phone, and she says, mom, we want to know, you know, for generations we've been cutting the end off this ham and putting it in the oven before we cook it. Why do we do that? And she said, well, the only reason why I ever did it is because the ham was too big for the pan I had. So there are people who do things all the time just because somebody else did it. But you've never said, well, wait a minute. Is that right for me? Is that right for my life? And if it's not right for you and for your life and God's not condemning you about it and he doesn't go against his word, then why do you have to keep doing it or why do you have to do it? And so one of the things that we'll do is we'll teach you how to hear God about those things. You know, people, people see us out sometimes and they go, oh, Pastor y'all, Y'all look like y'all have so much fun. And we do. And I know they be talking about, I can't believe they look at dancing. Yeah, the Bible says to dance. <laughs> and so if we go out to a place where they are dancing, we're going to dance. That's what people do. That's what people do. And so you don't let people put you in bondage because they think it's wrong. And what I'm going, and what I'm going to teach you and what I hope that you will learn and we'll grow in this together is that there are certain things and, and there are enableable rights that we have that someone can't take from us just because they want to put the label of Christian on us. Amen? There are certain things that, like, you shouldn't be cussing people out. You just shouldn't. You shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do that even if you're not saying. You just shouldn't do that. That's a bad thing to do, okay? That's not the way to resolve conflict. You just shouldn't do that. But the Bible doesn't tell us that we have to let people run over us. It just doesn't. You know, uh, when I, I remember when I first got saved, I had this, this wrong reality about what it meant to be a Christian. And so, and it sure went counterintuitive to who I was naturally anyway. And, 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 and so I remember this incident I had with my brother where he would always be able to say things like, well, I thought you were a Christian. And when he said that, I would just do whatever he wanted me to do because I didn't, I didn't want to disappoint God. Well, listen, you can't let people just use that term to, have, to run over you. If somebody wronged you as a Christian, you can say, hey, I'm not putting up with that. That's not right. You don't get to treat me that way. And so there, there are things that, that, that you'll hear us say, and they may not sound religious, but you can check them out in the Word. Amen? So notice he says this. He says, we want you to be able to walk upright. We want you to be able to be pleasing to the Lord. And if you'll do that, you can be fruitful in every good work. Watch this. And increasing what? In the knowledge of God. We want you to increase in your knowledge of who God is. And then verse 11 says this. Verse 11 just says, we'll read this last one. It says, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and longsuffering with joyness. That word patience, I said it before, it doesn't mean putting up with. That word patience means consistency. We want you to be consistent. In other words, when things are going good, we want you to be happy. We want you to praise God. When things aren't going so great, guess what? We want you to be happy and praising God. Why? Because you've got to learn to be consistent. If you allow, and this is, this is true even with church attendance. It really is. And just think about this. If you, will, if you get into a habit of always letting something external stop you from doing what you wanted to do, you'll live your whole life that way. That's right. We drove to Conway for eight years. 
on Sunday morning. We had to be on the road by 8 o'clock so we could be at church by 10.30. We did it for eight years. Lots of opportunities not to go. But you can develop a consistency in your life so that things external don't stop you. Because if you don't, the devil will realize that all he ever has to do is just throw some little wrinkle in your plan, in your plan and it'll throw you all off. It'll throw you all off. It'll snow, it'll snow every day, every Sunday it'll snow. 52 Sundays in a row. If you're a person who don't come to church when it snow, it'll snow 52 Sundays. It'll be July 4th, it'll be Sunday, it'll be snow. Because you won't come to church. And so you got to be the kind of person that says, you know what, I don't let external things stop me. I, I don't let some little thing stop me. You know, I, 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 if I'm going to pray every day, then I'm going to be consistent with my prayer. If I'm going to fast, when I fast, I'm going to be consistent. And I'm going to do those things that I know are necessary in my life in order to get the results that I want. Amen? And so that, 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 that kind of sets the foundation for us of, 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 what, of what we believe. If you take that whole uh, verse 9 and verse 10, all it's really saying, Paul said to them, Paul says, I want you guys to be difference makers. And that's really what Fellowship of Champions is all about. We want to be difference makers. Tell your neighbor, say, it's important, it's important for, our for our church to make a difference. If we're not going to make a difference, we don't need to be a church. Amen. If we're not going to add to the community, if we're not going to help it in some way, if we're just going to be another gathering place, there are a bunch of gathering places. We, we, we don't have to do this. But if we're going to do it, we need to do it, and we need to be a people who believe in making a difference in other people's lives, making a difference in our life. But, but church ain't just supposed to be about for us. It's making a difference in other people's lives. That may be people you work with. It may be your immediate family. It may be people in your neighborhood. It may be people at your gym. It may be people at the soccer games that you take your kids to. Whatever it is, you have an opportunity to impact people everywhere you go. And some of y'all go a lot of places. Y'all go shopping and stores and all kinds of places. You can meet people all the time. I used to gripe at Pastor Shum because every time we went somewhere, I'm an in-out kind of person. I'm in, you, drop, you can drop me off at the door of Walmart. I can get a buggy of stuff, get checked out before you find a parking space. <laughs> I'm in and out. I'm in and out. That's it. And I used to get upset sometimes because, you know, she would take so long to go to the store. But I realized after she was talking about why she did that, I was like, if, if, you're, if you're always so tunnel vision, you're always so focused, you miss opportunities in which you can be a, a difference maker in people's lives. And so one of the things I think is important, uh, and I'm working on this, one of the, it's one of my 12 things I'm working on, I think it's extremely important because if you don't slow down, you miss opportunities in which God could use you to be a blessing to somebody else. Amen? And so that's really important. We want to make sure uh, that we're doing that. And so uh, we want to be difference makers. Now, when we talk about core values, you know that a core value is simply a guide. It's a guide for an organization about how they're going to behave internally and externally. So I'm going to give you four things, four things that's going to guide us on the things that we do, um, the way we behave internally in our church and the way we behave externally in our church. I'm going to give you all four of them real quick. And I'll spend the rest of the time in the next couple of weeks talking about it. So here's one of our core values. We believe in growing. Amen? We believe in growing. That's you as an individual and us numerically as a church. We believe in growth. Amen? You know, some people like, uh, and nothing wrong with it, but some people like being part of a small body. Okay? That's not who we want to be. You see this room? We want to grow way out of this room. Okay? This is not where we want to be. This is, not, this is not what we want to do. We want to, because there's a thing called economy of scale. The more people you have, the more people you can help. You know, we, we, have, we have several things we have to have in order to have a strong church. We need children's ministry. Okay? Children's ministry is extremely important. Everybody will tell you that if you want to grow a strong, vibrant church, you have to attend to your, your kids and your teens. Okay? We don't have space to do that in here. That means we've got to be looking for places where we can do that. But how many know you can't have team ministry if nobody wants to work in team ministry? You know, you start talking about children's ministry, people start slumping in their seat. They start, they start hiding. And, and you know what's funny? It, it, it's always the people with kids. <laughs> we have five of them. 
And they be, we, be, we be talking about children's ministry, and not even looking at our kids. It's always, but you know what? Here's what I believe. I believe that if we get a heart, and we're going to talk about one of these other words, this word service, if everybody says, you know what, I can sacrifice a week. You may only have to do a week every two or three months, you know? Now, there's some folks you don't want working with kids, you know? <laughs> and not because anything wrong with them. They just be hollering at the kids all the time, screaming at them. If you don't have patience, if you don't like kids, then we want you to come on and sit up front, and we'll get those people who love working with kids. But you got to have it, Amen. You gotta have people who can serve in other areas. We, you know, I can't sing. You do not want me singing on Sunday. That would just dampen the spirit, trust me. But there are people out there, and I can hear you who you sing. And so we're gonna be asking people, hey, would you help? Would you volunteer? Okay? So when we're talking about growing, you're gonna have to be willing to go outside your comfort zone and maybe do some things you're not used to doing in order to help build the ministry. Amen. Tell your neighbor, say number one, tell your neighbor, say neighbor. This church, this church is not, is not the Strickland Church. The Strickland church. Amen. Now, I think that's extremely important because if you start to think it's our church, you'd be like, well, they can handle it. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. This, this is our church. Everybody who's going to be a part, is going to be, you got to own it like a business. you got to own your department. you got to own your piece of it. And that means that when you're not here or you're not doing your part, the whole organization misses out. Amen? And so we want to we keep that in your forefront. And this is not Edwin and Sean's church. No, this is God's church, and we are on this journey together. Amen? Amen. So the second one, we talk about growing. I'll talk about that later. Reaching. Reaching is one of the core values. What does that mean? Internally and externally. Internally. We want to make sure that we are reaching across the aisle and getting to know the people we go to church with. It's so important. You know, if, if, if we grow and, and you know, we, we grow to five, six hundred, a thousand people, you may not know everybody, but you ought to know somebody. It, we don't, we don't want to be a place where people come in the, in, the, in, the, come in the front door, go out the back door, and, and that's all you ever see of them. You've got to be willing to develop relationships. And there's some mechanisms we're going to have for doing that. I know my wife has been meeting with her small group for a while. Um, th th we have a small group in Conway and a small group in Little Rock. And, and I'm telling you, man, I've seen the pictures and stuff. They get together for all kinds of stuff now. Because in a small group, that is where you're going to find where real relationships are built. Real relationships aren't just built on Sunday morning. You know, the great thing about a small group is if, if it's a functional small group, is that it helps you to connect with other people. It helps to protect you. And it, it, it's, it's also your, 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 your sense of, of community. Uh, because in a small group, if you need something, it's, it's kind of the, your, your first people you go to. You, you got to talk about an issue. Something happens. You, you want to share something good. You want to share something bad. It's in your small group. And so it's going to be important that you're not a person who, who likes to be standoffish. If you're, if you're a standoffish kind of person, then Fellowship of Champions won't be a place for you because we're going to always be talking about community, always talking about getting together. Now, you may not hang with everybody because I'm telling you, if you like musicals, I can't be going to good to know musical with you. I just can't do that. I can't. I can't. So, someone told me, I haven't seen it, but there's a movie called Into the Woods. Anybody seen that? You saw, you saw Into the Woods? Somebody, they said from the time it come on to the time it go off, they sing it. I said, they would never get any of my money because I don't do musicals. But it may be somebody in here who loves musicals, and y'all should get together and get to know each other. Now, if you like the Cowboys, come on. I'll hang out with you all day. <laughs> but everybody can find something to connect to somebody with. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's really important in the church, that you find somebody you can connect with. Amen? So, so one of our core values is we want to be a, a growing church internally, externally. We want to be a reaching church internally, externally. Number three, we want to be a serving church. You know, nobody really, I say nobody, a lot of times people don't like to serve. They like to be served, but they don't really like to serve. But Jesus said this. Jesus says, the Bible says, Jesus did not come to be served but rather he came to serve mankind. And so if we're going to take after Christ, we ought to be willing to serve other people. Amen? And so one of the things that you'll find about me, I, I'm a firm believer in servant leadership. 
And as a result, I don't think a leader should be asking people to do something that they're unwilling to do. So one thing that you can, you can rest assured of is that I'm not going to ever ask you to do something that I'm not willing to do myself. If I ask for somebody to help clean, I'll be the first person to help them clean. If I ask for somebody to help set up, I'll be the first person to ask them to help set up. I work in children's ministry. I will sing. You may not like it, but I will do it. I'll do it. You won't ask me again, but, but I'll do it that first time. Because as a servant leader, you got to be willing to do those things that, that, that you're asking other people to do. So I guess what I'm saying is this. As a member of Fellowship of Champion, as a partner here, if you're going to ask people to forgive you when you mess up, you got to be willing to forgive people when they mess up. If you're going to ask people to love on you, you got to be willing to love on them, even when they don't look like you, even when they don't smell like you, even when they don't even have the same beliefs that you have. You have to be willing to step across the aisle and do those kind of things, amen? And so serving is going to be one of the things you hear us talk about a lot. We talked about having big impact. We want to do things that help people in the community, and not because we're trying to trick them into coming to church. It's just some things that need to be had that the church ought to be in the forefront of. I don't think there should be hungry children. I, I, we live in, a, in one of the most prosperous nations that there is. I don't think we should have hungry children. And you may not realize it, and, but, but because I'm in education, I know those numbers, there's a lot of kids who only get to eat when school's in session. That's the only time they eat. They, they come to school, they eat their breakfast, they eat their lunch, and they don't eat again until they come to school the next day. And this is one of the most prosperous areas in the whole state of Arkansas, but yet we still have that kind of hunger. And so our church wants to be involved. Nothing wrong with taking food to Africa. Nothing wrong with it at all. But I want you to understand that I believe that we ought to be taking care of some local needs as well. And so, yes, you know, because somebody asked me, are we going to be a missions church? Yes, but maybe not what you think of missions. You know, if a, if, if, if a kid in this church needs shoes, they're going to get them before the kid in India. I, I, I mean, that's just how we, that's how we operate. So it's important for people to know that because I don't want people to be like, oh, well, you don't give money to, to overseas. Well, we will, but we're going to make sure the people in our area that we can touch and put our hands on are being taken care of. And, and so that's important for us. So we want to serve. And then number four, our fourth core value is about giving. We want to be a giving church that goes along with our serving, but it also goes along with you as an individual. This is the part that people don't like to talk about. In order for you to have a thriving ministry, it takes finances. It takes resources. Um, you don't get to run your, anybody living rent free? I didn't think so. Most of us are paying for the place where we live. We have to pay for where we meet. We have to pay for light. We have to pay for everything that we need. That stuff doesn't fall out the sky. It comes from, 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 from resources. It comes from me. It comes from you. And so one of the things that we talk about all the time is that it's so important that people understand that, you know, it, it's one of those touchy subjects because there have been so many people who have done so many things wrong. But how many know you can't, you can't group everybody together? Okay? Here's what I mean. Have there been preachers who stole money before? Heck yeah. Shoes yeah. They have. Have there been teachers who molested kids before? Yeah. But you're going to send your kids to school. You're not going to homeschool because one teacher in New Jersey molested a kid. So then you don't withhold your resources because some preacher somewhere else did something immoral with the money. Amen, light bulb. It's, it's, it's important that you understand that because what we're going to be talking about, we, we, we are extremely transparent, and we'll tell you exactly what it is that we're working on and what we're doing, but one of the things that we've learned is that if you don't keep that message before everybody, you end up with about 20% of the people doing 80% of the work, and that's just not fair. It's just not fair, and you can't grow a ministry doing that. So everybody has to do their part. Your part may be different than somebody else's part, but if everybody does their part, the church always has what it needs, always has what it needs. And so not only do we have in terms of when it comes to giving, do we have enough to take care of, of what we need internally, but when we give, when we are joyful givers, we have the ability to take care of other needs outside the church. You know, um, I was listening to a story, and I forget the man's name, but one of the things their church did, the, the church, the city they were in, was having a budget crisis. Now think about this. They were having a budget crisis, and they needed to buy two new ambulances. 
but the city couldn't afford to update the ambulances. Now, how many know an ambulance service is something that people need? Because somebody gets sick, somebody, you know, have a heart attack, you need that. So their church, now watch this, their church got together and bought two new ambulances for the city that they, were, that they live in. You don't think that people stood up and took notice of that and said, wait a minute, the church bought the ambulances to be used for everybody? Absolutely. But it didn't happen because everybody was being stingy with their money in that church. It happened because people said, you know what? I'm a giver, and I want to give. And here's the thing, and I'm not, I'm not saying this to get you to give. I'm saying that when you start to give, you will start to see that what you give out starts to come back to you in abundance. It will. There are people who don't claim to be Christian whatsoever. If, but, but the Bible says that success leaves clues. Success leaves clues. And people who are successful are givers. People who are successful don't spend their whole life just taking from people. They spend their life giving because when you give, there's a universal principle that lets you know that things come back to you in abundance. And whether you believe it or not, it's the truth. You don't have to believe in gravity, but if you jump on top of this building, you jump off, you're going to hit the ground because the universal principle is true. And so one of the things that we want to do is we want to be a church who we're not going to spend all our time talking about giving, but when we talk about giving, we don't want folk getting mad. We don't want folk getting sad. We don't want everybody to have to go to the restroom when it's time to take the offering. It's offering time. No, we're going to be a church that says, hey, you know what? I use my resources because here's, the Bible says this. It says, wherever your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So, I can come to your house and I can tell you where your heart is. You got 200 pair of shoes, that's your heart. You got a 90 inch, that's your heart. You got rims, that's your heart. You got four cars, no driver's license, that's your heart. That's your heart, man. That's your heart. <laughs> I'm telling you, the Bible tells us that wherever your treasure is, your heart's going to be there. So when you start to give of your resources to the ministry, you commit your heart there. And, the, and the, the reason, and I can honestly say this, and there are people in this room, and I won't call their names, but the reason that they are so committed to the ministry is not just because, yes, we preach word to change their life, but I believe they could have gotten there other places too. But I've seen them put their resources toward the ministry, and when you put your resources toward something, your heart's going to show up there. Your heart's going to be connected. And when your heart's connected to something, you'll work a lot harder for it. How do I know? Because if you got them 200 pair of shoes, you ain't going to let nobody come in there with no easy, with no marker and just start marking on your shoes. You're like, oh, no. You know, uh -uh. And if you got a big screen TV, you ain't going to be letting people down there just doing stuff to your TV that took you three years to save up for. Mm -hmm. That's your heart. And wherever your heart is, you protect it. I, I, we tell people all the time in marriage, if, if you having problems in your marriage, start spending money on your spouse. They ain't say nothing, did they? They ain't say nothing. I mean, they didn't say nothing. The, I thought I saw the light flick. They ain't say nothing. I, maybe the mic. If you having problems in your marriage, spend money on your spouse. Attach your heart to them. People think that's funny, but I'm telling you, man, the first set of furniture we got, because I, I was mad at her, I was like, man, I got to love this girl more. Here, you want some furniture? <laughs> <laughs> but, but honestly, wherever you put your resources, your heart's going to be there. Right. And so one of the things we ask you to do is we ask you to be committed to the ministry with your time, with your talents. We were having a discussion uh, with a guy one time, and it's just, it's just wrong thinking. And I'm, I'm going to finish with this. It, it's, the sun is out. It ain't snowing or nothing. Y'all, it's, it's, you fine. You good. But I'm going to finish with this. So, Sean and I was talking to this guy, and uh, he was talking about his commitment to ministry. Um, you know, and we kept on talking and talking, and, um, and then he, he said something about, it, somehow it came up that he wasn't, he wasn't a tither, that he didn't, he didn't tithe and give. He didn't believe in the church needed money. And, and, and so we started having this discussion about what commitment is. Now, you think about this. We got a goal and a vision to serve people, right? We got a goal and a vision to do something great for the community. But if we got a thousand people 
who just come and nobody gives, how are we going to serve anybody else? But if you got a thousand people and none of them show up, but they all give, imagine what the ministry can do. So my question is, is what really is commitment? Is commitment just you showing up? And if it's just you showing up, who is it really for? And it's a hard conversation, but it's one that has to be had in the church. You know, because a, there was a time period when gas price, when everything, when the economy dropped and gas prices went up, some of the largest ministries that you've ever heard of took a big dive in their resources. But their attendance didn't drop. People kept going. They just stopped giving. Why? It wasn't necessarily because people didn't have. It's what they prioritized. How many know you got money for whatever you want to do? You won't go to Tulsa this afternoon. You're going to put some money back. You're going to go. Whatever you want to do. And so you just have to make things a priority. And I talk about that because it's, it is important. And I don't ever want you to think that it's not important. It's not the most important, but it is important. Reaching, giving, growing, and serving. All four of those are important, and we can't leave out any one. If we do, we won't be the church that God's calling us to be. Amen? And so uh, I, I just wanted to give you kind of that introduction for today. Uh, we'll come back next week, and we're going to really talk about what it means to reach. I'm going to challenge you to get involved with something called situational evangelism. Situational evangelism. How many of you right now, you ain't got to raise your hand, you can kind of nod. You know somebody who in your circle, in your life, at your job, whatever, who they're always asking you for advice, always talking to you about something. Those are the people who you have the quickest opportunity if they don't know the Lord, or even if they do know him, but they don't understand the word like they should, that you can introduce them to this teaching. They're the, they're the, they're the quickest ones. I'm not a big go out and knock on strangers' doors. I, I, I tell people all the time, I could never have been Mormon. I just, that a Jehovah Witness, I just couldn't have done it. I, knocking on, you know Jesus? No. <laughs> uh, I'm done. <laughs> First time they slammed that door, I'm done. All right. Yeah, whatever, man. But there are people that you have a relationship with and people that you know that you can talk to. And so I tell people all the time that if you're going to, to begin to reach out, start with those people first. Amen? Amen. So remember, we're going to be a church who wants to grow, we want to reach, we want to serve, and we want to give because those things are important to the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Yes, sir.